Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. On Sunday, July 31st, we welcomed Reverend Kevin Garner Sinclair and Reverend Mary Alice Birdwhistle to Ridgewood to lead in the dedication of Cooper Tucker. Reverend Kevin Garner Sinclair, pastor of Broadway Baptist in Louisville, Kentucky, preached from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8 and 20 through 21. Well, it is a joy to be with y'all today. Uh, I have known of Ridgewood for quite some time. Uh, I went to uh, Wake Forest with Matt Johnson, your previous pastor. Um, I have had the pleasure and privilege of becoming friends with Molly and Rob and Mary Alice uh, since we kind of all started in Louisville uh, within a year-ish of one another. Uh, and then a global pandemic hit. So pretty normal pastoral days. Uh, But Ridgewood, your witness uh, for the all-encompassing and all-inclusive love of God for all people, for all cultures, races, for LGBTQ folk, for people in our community who would never think that a Baptist church would open their doors for all of God's children. Your witness is known throughout Kentuckiana, and it is a privilege to be in this pulpit today. Molly, thank you for sharing it. Uh, It is good to also see my friend David Moose through Empower West. Uh, I'm sure Chris Sanders has told y'all a little bit about Empower West throughout the years, Um, but uh, the work that is done through that group of clergy who gather together, uh, I'm privileged to be connected to it, um, and also for my predecessor, Chris, Uh, who uh, helped begin it with uh, Mary Alice's predecessor, Joe Phelps. Um, It is a wonderful, wonderful organization and not something that most cities in our country have. With our checkered past, with the treatment of our black neighbors. But it is churches like Ridgewood that continue to bear witness in life-giving and wonderful ways. So thank you for being you. Ridgewood. Pulitzer Prize winning author Scott Momaday grew up just like any normal American kid, you know, blue jeans, baseball, bubblegum, all that stuff. He always knew that he had Kiowa blood in his veins, but his mind was as American as apple pie. Early one morning in the cool of the day, his father roused him out of bed, and without any explanation, they climbed into, onto those cold vinyl seats in the family car, and they drove out past the city limits onto the old Kiowa reservation where his grandparents grew up. They pulled up to this old ramshackle house, and his dad said, well, here you go. He opened the door, he got out, and he went in to the house. The boy walked in and he discovered an old Kiowa woman sitting there and invited him to sit with her. She began to sing old songs, describe rituals, and tell the story of the Kiowa people. 
They danced and sang all morning. Other people from the community came in and gathered, and they spent the entire morning together. And when his dad came to pick him up, he got in the car that he had taken with him that day. But when he got in the car that morning, he got in as a typical American teenager. But when he walked out of that house, he walked out a member of the Kiowa Nation. Stories shape our lives. They cast vision and hope and meaning over us in a world of despair and dislocation. And when we stick to our stories, the compass of our hearts is remagnetized to guide us through this dark world. Our text for today, which Kevin read earlier, comes from Deuteronomy 6, the In this moment, I'm going to just read the very first part of this text, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away and when you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The scene opens on a desert plain. Moses is standing with the children of Israel. They are about to enter the promised land. We witness Moses standing there retelling the whole law. In fact, Deuteronomy is just Greek for the second law because it is the second time the law was shared with the people as they, the law that was given at Sinai as they made their way into the land, the land that was promised to their father Abraham and their mother Sarah so long ago. And it was in that moment that Moses leads a last-minute a last-minute parenting seminar here for them. He tells them to bind the laws on their heads and on their doorposts, to talk about them when they get up and when they go down, when they go to sleep and when they wake up in the morning. I noticed that little line that Cooper loves waking up in the morning. Uh, I'm sure at full volume, too. When Nora and I first, uh, my, my wife Nora, who's with us right now, she, uh, when we um, first moved to Louisville, we moved into a little apartment in the Highlands, and our, na- our, the person who uh, owned the apartment, who was renting it out, uh, re- uh, was Jewish and rented it out for her mother, and on two of the door posts, there were the little mezuzahs, just the, the if you're familiar with those, uh, if you crack them open, they are filled with teeny tiny little scripts of Torah, of the, of the Hebrew law. Put it on your doorpost. Put it on your forehead. Wash each generation anew in the story of Abraham and Sarah, the patriarchs and matriarchs, the exodus and the wilderness wanderings. For the Jewish community, the retelling of the story ensures the continuation of their identity and their reorientation towards the law and to God. Moses tells them how to raise their children. Love God and let your kids see you doing it. Keep telling them the story. Keep washing those words of history over them, that sense of belonging so that it claims their life, so it tells them who they are and whose they are. But then it continues on, and Moses tells them what to do when your kids 
become teenagers. What Tom Long says about this, he says, we need to read this verse with an adolescent slouch. A little bit of that teenage rebellion needs to be read into verse 20. This is typically that's read by the, the, the oldest son on Passover dinners gets up and he reads this text. But there's supposed to be a little bit of defiance in this, a little punk rock for this verse. So in Deuteronomy 6.20, he says, When your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? You are to say to your child, we were slaves in Egypt, and God brought us out with a mighty hand. Do you hear that shift in the pronoun? Why do you do all this stuff that you're supposed to do? No, no, no. We. This is our story that we share. Because there will come a time when the stories lose their stickiness. There will come a time when those precious giggles turn into eye rolls, slouches, triggering for anybody in here living through parent you know there will come a time when even precious cooper just like all of us will enter into what the french philosopher paul recour called the desert of criticism that time where we set aside (laughs) emphasis on the critic part of that that moment in life where we all set aside The childish faith, the naive faith, when we realize maybe all too painfully, all too traumatically that the world isn't black and white, we realize that the Bible isn't a rule book, but a story, and that God doesn't fit in our pockets, but that we fit in God's cradled divine hands. Not a childish faith demanding certainty, but a childlike faith that embraces ambiguity and relationship. And relationships grow and change. And until that day comes, we must keep telling the story. We must stick to telling our kids the story so that one day the story will stick on them. And we are told so many stories about ourselves. So I ask you, what is a story that was told to you about how you are, who you are? My mentor, Charles Wade, was a pastor in Texas, where I come from. Uh, Don't hold that against me. And uh, Dr. Wade told me this. So he grew up in he grew up in Enid, Oklahoma. Anybody ever been to Enid, Oklahoma? Anybody ever been to Oklahoma? There we go. <laughs> the Mooses have been to Oklahoma, uh, Enid, Oklahoma. Dr. Wade grew up there in Oklahoma, and he grew up working on a cotton farm. And one day, he and his brothers were walking out to the farm uh, with his dad and his grandfather. And he told me this story, and he said. The greatest gift my grandfather ever gave me, he's actually an old Baptist in Texas, so he's talked like this. He said, the greatest story my granddaddy ever gave me. And he said, they were walking along. He was probably about nine or ten at the time. And he had a 
hoe slung over his shoulder, and he's walking along. His brothers were far ahead of him. He was the, he was the runt of the litter, the youngest, tiniest, probably not even, you know, 75 pounds soaking wet. And his granddad and his father were walking, walking behind him. And he said, I overheard my grandfather say to my dad, mm, that boy's got strong shoulders. So from that moment on, he always knew he was stronger than he ever thought he could be. He overheard his grandfather blessing him. My wife, Nora, is a, is a social worker and trauma therapist and works with children and families. She told me on the drive out here, I told her that story, and she said one of the interesting principles in positive parenting methods is you're supposed to let your kids overhear you blessing them. So you can tell your kids stuffed animals, well, wasn't Cooper such a good helper today? Wasn't Hank so sweet? You know, like letting your kids overhear the story. Because for God's sake, we are human beings. And each human has a story to tell. And when our story intersects with God's story, that is where the gospel is shared. We were slaves in Egypt. And God delivered us with a mighty hand. Friends, there's something about your story that you need to share. And there's someone in your life who needs to be given a better story. Who has been told that they are not enough. Who has been told that they are unlovable. But we worship a God whose table is wide, whose arms are open. And at that table, all are fed with food and drink. All are welcomed. All have value. A table where men do not relish in their boyhood, but they rise to their God-given potential. A table where, as the poet Wendell Berry said, women do not go cheaply. But they claim their God-given dignity. A table where children are given tutelage, and teachers to show them what does it mean to be a part of the family of God, a place where all of God's children belong, where there is no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, because this is our story. Fellow siblings, this is the story that says that the ugliness of this world is transformed in the eyes of heaven. A story that reminds us that we all have dignity and worth and we're created in the sacred and beloved image of God. A story that can turn an American boy into a Kiowa man. A story that can transform us all. So when we stick to that story, the gospel story will stick on us. Molly, we made a promise to your family today. And if our word is bond, then I pray that to God that it is, then you do not walk this path of parenthood alone.
that we will walk with you. That we are not, but also, we are not mind readers. So take a page out of James Taylor's playbook and you just call out our names and you know that wherever you are, we'll come running. When you're struggling, tell us. When you're grieving, tell us. When Coop starts biting and scratching, which he's probably going to learn from my kid, uh, and you feel alone on this wild ride, just remember, you belong to a big family, and your story stretches back before we could possibly imagine, and it will carry on long after we're gone. But until that day, may we all remember that the divine hands that first crafted us from the dust that the divine breath which first gave us life, that the divine voice which gave us a name and a story begins with and still holds us all in the palm of God's hands. And for that, let us give thanks.